0: This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone.
1: Are we going to stand with God come what may?
0: That the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is.
2: And now, here is Janet Mefford.
0: Welcome, everybody. Not too long ago, you might remember White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki came under fire for mocking the U.S. Space Force, which was created, as you know, under President Trump as the sixth branch of the U.S. Armed Forces. Psaki reversed course, but her comments were a lingering reminder that ensuring America's dominance in space is no laughing matter, especially because some of our biggest enemies are working to gain advantage over us there and potentially even launch a Pearl Harbor-type attack on our country. What should we be doing in space to ensure that America will both remain safe and stay ahead of our enemies as the dominant world power. We're going to talk about it all today with geopolitical analyst Brandon Weikert. He is contributing editor at American Greatness and a contributor to the American Spectator. He also manages the Weikert Report, World News Done Right. And today we'll be discussing his book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, great to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you for having me and thank you for that kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. What do you make of the reaction of Jen Psaki and others who have mocked President Trump for setting up the Space Force? It's kind of reminiscent of President Reagan's mockery during the Star Wars period. What is this about mocking increasing our dominance in space and increasing the security of the United States, do you think?
1: Well, the first thing to remember is that Saki had to walk those comments back almost immediately because somebody behind the scenes told her, hey, this is not actually a bad idea to have a Space Force and to do more in space. So the upside in all of this is at least Someone in the Biden administration doesn't live by the orange man is always bad credo <laughs> yeah. that so many on the Democratic Party seem to live by. The, the, the downside is you're right. There is a large contingent of people, mostly on the Democratic Party side, but also even in the Republican Party, who, when it comes to space, really doesn't want to see America do more in space. They think it's too expensive. They think, I call these people the naysayers. They think it's too expensive, that we could be spending that money elsewhere, better to spend that money on healthcare or whatever, infrastructure. Who cares about space? Then you have another group called that I call the utopians. And these are the people who just are preternaturally uh, opposed to America doing anything that smacks of dirty nationalism or, you know, national self-interest in space. And those are the people on the left who are real dangerous because they actively do things to harm American power projection and dominance in space. And so while the Biden administration ultimately made Saki walk those comments back, the debate and the fight to keep Space Force and to, to do a more robust space policy is still underway and by no means going to be won by the Hawks.
0: Absolutely. Very well said. When we're talking then about Space Force, why do we need it? What do you tell people who are not necessarily experts on space and everything that's going on in terms of policy? Why do we need a Space Force so much?
1: That's a great question. And it's one that I encourage everyone to read my book because I really get into that. The short of it is Everything we do in our society today, not just for the military, but everything we do in our personal civilian lives relies on some level on space technology, satellites in particular. You can't make a transaction. You can't go to your gas station and use your debit card to buy gas without some of those signals passing through space. You can't use your telephones, call 911, without some of your, your signals passing through space. And our enemies, like China and Russia have long ago figured out that that is one of our greatest strengths, our satellite constellations. But they also figured out that those satellite constellations are woefully undefended. And so the Chinese and Russians in particular have developed capabilities and tactics called counterspace, for attacking or denying our access to space in the event of a crisis between us and them. And therefore, they will render our forces deaf, dumb and blind, and they will render our society basically thrown back into the 1970s. And people may like bell bottoms, but they're not going to like going back to that technological era of existence. And we certainly can't survive in that kind of a world.
0: Well, that's a great point. How far along are they in that quest to try to disrupt our satellites and disrupt our way of life? Where does that stand?
1: Okay, so beginning in 2010, both Russia and China began to reorganize their militaries to fight and win a space war against the United States. Nothing comparable occurred in the United States until at least 2018, 2019, when the former Trump administration created uh, Space Force. So we're about at best eight years behind the Chinese and Russians in terms of conceptualizing and understanding the risks in space and having the capabilities and strategies on hand to protect our space assets. And remember, it's not just satellites. That's the short term. In the long term, you're seeing an upsurge in investment into space on the civilian side. Elon Musk with SpaceX, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, they're just the start. There's at least a trillion dollar space mining industry waiting to be developed. It's already underway right now. And China and Russia both have ambitious plans for capturing those markets before the Americans can. And as you know, Throughout history, the flag follows trade. So inevitably, as the space fighting sector, if you'll pardon the pun, takes off, inevitably the military component will follow those trades there. Mm-hmm. And so the Space Force is not just going to be responsible for defending our satellite constellations and possibly attacking the satellites of rivals. It's also going to be required to think about how they're going to protect and acquire resources in space in the long term.
0: Mm. So does it seem to you as if part of the problem, at least, is Americans tend to think okay. back to the 60s, 70s, maybe even into the 80s, that the purpose of going to space is to find new worlds. But we've been to the moon and yeah, we've had the Challenger explode and we've had the space shuttle right. explode. And, and, you know, maybe we should spend our money on better things. Is it a matter of wrong thinking to some extent among Americans on come up to speed on where the space fight really is going.
1: Well, that's exactly right. We, uh, you know, the, the old line from the, one of the Batman's movies, Batman movies was, victory has defeated you. So we won all the great battles of the last century. And I think we've kind of rested on our laurels now. And we don't imagine and think about things the way we used to because everything is safe. We don't want to risk what we have. But we don't realize that there is no stability in life, that once you create stability, as we've enjoyed for the last 30 years since the end of the Cold War, a complex system starts breaking them. This is called entropy. And already beginning in the 2010s, the Chinese and Russians said, we don't like living under America's rule internationally. And so we're going to develop ways to completely overturn that rule. And one of them is developing these space tactics to destroy us in space, thereby weakening us on Earth. And we have yet to fully conceptualize how dangerously at risk we are to a space Pearl Harbor. And if we don't start doing more than we've done, even the creation of Space Force was not enough. If we don't start doing more in the next couple of years, we could wake up and find a space Pearl Harbor visited upon us, either by Russia and or China.
0: What do you fear the most in that regard? Would it be something like an EMP attack or something similar? What do you envision might be the most likely scenario?
1: well the four great threats that we face today in terms of foreign powers would be china russia north korea and iran all four of them have developed the technology and the doctrines for deploying electromagnetic pulse weapons against us. Uh, Russia and China are by far the most advanced of those four, but Ch- but North Korea and Iran are also following. In fact, Iran and North Korea have seeded the orbits with bizarre satellites. They claim are weather satellites, but they don't follow any typical orbits. And some, like James Woolsey, former head of the CIA, have speculated that those may be EMP devices they're putting in orbit to hold us hostage. So that's certainly a threat. But actually the biggest concern I have are these Russian and Chinese co-orbital satellites. The Russians call them Stribitel Sputnikov. These are small uh, satellites that have grappling arms, and they tailgate our systems, and they can push them out of orbit. Russia and China have already put these co-orbital satellites in orbit. They claim they're repair satellites for their own satellites, but they're not. These are dual-use systems, and if the Russians or Chinese wanted to surprise us, these systems could easily be used to latch onto our sensitive satellites in orbit and push them back to Earth, rendering our forces on Earth deaf, dumb, and blind, and giving the Chinese and Russians considerable advantage because they don't rely on satellites the way we do.
0: Wow. Well, and as you mentioned, some of the problems, if we lose our satellite capabilities, you know, not only ATMs, but things like GPSs, but way worse than that, because if there actually were a full-blown EMP attack, that would knock out the grid and that would have horrific repercussions. We're going to take a very short break and come back with Brandon Weikert. Winning Space is his book. Stay with us on Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mafford. We're partnering with Bible League International to send God's Word to 1,500 Bibleist believers in Africa. In many parts of countries like Kenya, Tanzania, Ghana, and Mozambique, as many as nine out of ten Christians are denied God's Word because of corrupt governments, majority religions, remoteness, and poverty. They've never been able to read 1 Peter 5 7. Cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Reading that promise of God means everything to you and me. And now it will Means so much to these Bibleist Christians in Africa when you respond. Here's Pastor John in Mozambique.
2: One occasion, I found a pastor that uh, was uh, leading a church of 90 church members, and he was having one Bible that was starting from Exodus and ends to the Ephesians, and he was leading the church with that Bible. So When we went to give them the Bible, imagine joy. They sang, they danced, they cried, and they praised God for the gift of
0: the Bible $5 sends one Bible $100 sends 20 $500 sends 100 and your gift of any size will help us meet our goal of sending 1500 Bibles to Africa call 800 yes word 800 y e s w o r d or there's an open the floodgates Bibles for Africa banner to click at Janet com. actually the, the need is great If you could remember the other picture of a lady who was trying to show me the Bible, that, Pastor, I understand you work with Bible League, but
2: we don't have Bibles here. So that that, that lady had a Bible from Exodus to the book of Hebrews. That's all. You see that? So there is a great need of Bibles.
0: Send God's word to a Bibleist believer in Africa today for only $5. Call 800 Y E S You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We really do need to understand how dangerous things can be up in space. And I know for a lot of Americans, they will hearken back to the days of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, and that was a long time ago. But lots has changed over the years, and we really could be in a very dangerous position if we do not get up into space through this space force that was brought into being by President Trump. Brandon Weichert is with us. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower is his book. You know, you had mentioned, Brandon, before we went to the break, former CIA director Jim Woolsey, uh, who had vocalized his fears. I know that North Korea could you know, disable the U.S. electricity grid. But something else that has been brought up is the use of remote controlled electronic weapon systems and devices. Do you know much about that remotely controlled electronic weapon systems? What's what's to be known about that? Are you speaking about like drones, apparently, or, or some some yeah. devices in space? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, the the Iranians in particular, uh, of the two rogue nuclear-arming states, Iran and North Korea, the Iranians are by far the most serious player in drone technology. And they've already demonstrated a capability and willingness to use them in unconventional methods, not just against the Israelis or against uh, the Saudis, but also d- they've attempted to directly use them against our naval forces transiting the Strait of Hormuz. Mm. So that is a significant problem, and that is linked to the Iranian space program, which I talked about in my book. Very few people talk about Woolsey's talked about it, but the, the uh, Iranian space program is a threat because not only are they testing ballistic missiles, that will eventually be used for intercontinental ballistic missiles against us, but they're also using the satellites that they're developing, that's going to give them greater capability to have surveillance over their part of the world. They'll be able to track and target American and Israeli and Saudi forces far more effectively than they currently can, and they'll be able to control those drone swarms far more effectively than they can even right now. And that is a big problem that we've been looking at. North Korea, they're not as advanced. As with the drones, but they also have capabilities there, and their space program is playing into that growing capability. And uh, By the way, the Russians are giving technology, as are the Chinese, to both Iran and North Korea for this purpose. In fact, Russia just recently was got, got in a little bit of a trouble because it was discovered they were trying to sell an advanced surveillance satellite to the Iranians, which would be used for Iranian military activities against the Israelis, in Syria, against the Saudis with the Houthi rebels in Yemen, and against our Navy going through the Strait of Hormuz. So the the on-man systems are a big problem, and satellites play a key role. But that also creates a vulnerability that I hope Space Force will develop a, a counterattack doctrine wherein we can threaten the satellites of these other countries the way that they threaten ours. Otherwise, they will have uninhibited uh, drone warfare capabilities that we simply cannot allow for.
0: Goodness. Well, you know, when I mentioned Reagan before and all of the flack that he took over Star Wars, as they derisively called the Strategic Defense Initiative, that kind of died out over the years. The whole idea was you'd be able to stop those uh, ballistic missiles. Right. So if you're talking about Iran uh, upping its nuclear capabilities on the one hand and also talking about more ballistic missiles, is Space Force in line to do anything of a defensive nature along the lines of SDI and kind of renew that idea? I don't know where we are technologically, but what, where are we on that?
1: So the technology is certainly there. Maybe in the 80s it really was still maturing, but certainly today the technology, technological capability is definitely there. The problem is political will. So Ted Cruz, a Republican senator in, uh, from Texas, has been very Big on advocating for uh, space-based missile defense, specifically because of the nuclear-arming rogue states of Iran and North Korea. The problem is most people in the political establishment in both parties actually don't want to get involved. And actually, the biggest issue with space force has been twofold. First, they don't have enough funding. They've only, they only had something like $15 billion last year. That's a rounding error in the Pentagon. That's only a few billion dollars more than the Coast Guard has. And I think the Space Force has a much more important role uh, in the national defense the Coast Guard's important, too, but not like the Space Force. Second, the second problem with Space Force is a lot of the leadership there is hesitant to do anything more than satellite defense. So they don't want to talk about things like space-based missile defense, but we need to. We have a missile defense agency that is a direct outgrowth of Reagan's Strategic Defense Initiative, but they can't do enough. So what we need to do is get the stakeholders from the MDA and from Space Force and get them in a room and say, look, what do you need to make this rudimentary system happen we have the capabilities now we need your input and then we need political leadership not just the republicans it has to be both parties on the capitol hill to get together and say the reason we need this is there's a direct and growing threat from iran and north korea iran in particular cannot be contained and it's only a matter of time before they start popping off nukes at their neighbors and us we better have something to stop them. Oh, that's, uh, what that, that's what we
0: need. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Well, I think about the cries of people like Peter Pry, who have been saying, "Listen, we need to deal right. with the grid," and and he's been fighting that fight for a long time. Where are we on that? Yes. He has. Yeah, making sure that the grid is prepared in the event of an EMP attack, that we all don't end up a dying or b dying by starvation in the aftermath of having no electricity.
1: Well, after 20 years of Peter Pry fighting, some headway was finally made in the last two years of the Trump administration where the president, former president signed a Executive order, basically ordering a hardening of the national power grid, yep. but it was by no means enough. And and now that the new administration under President Biden is there, the Democrats absolutely do not take EMP seriously. They think it's a right wing fantasy, and so they don't really prioritize it. And to be fair, most of the Republicans until Trump and Newt Gingrich, those are the only two big names in elected office at any point who took EMP seriously. You're right. So it's not enough what was done. And Peter Pry has been. Fighting the good fight for almost 20 years now, and he's still got a long road ahead because the political class in this country simply doesn't get it, and they won't get it, unfortunately, until we get hit, and by then it'll be too late. We're talking Armageddon for the United States in terms of an EMP strike.
0: You're right about that. Do you see in the Biden administration having less interest, shall we say, in in the aims of Space Force and hardening the grid and all the stuff that we just mentioned? Is there a sense in which we are too beholden to China? Does that play a role, do you think, in all of this? Well, it's interesting. My understanding,
1: and I have a lot of contacts, actually, with the Biden administration, There is a fight going on as it relates to China. There's three groups within within uh, the Biden administration. You have hawks or liberal hawks like. Kirk Campbell, or even Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, or Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor. Then you've got uh, the the doves, as led by John Kerry and Susan Rice, who have these floating portfolios in the administration. They they have a lot of influence. And then you've got sort of the political hacks who don't care one way or the other on China. They just want Biden to look good for approval ratings. So right now, every time Biden dings China publicly— uh, it looks makes him look good, so he's siding with the Hawks. But that's by no means going to last. And the doves are fighting very hard to get Biden to slow down on his his rhetoric against China because they want to do a deal with China on the environment because they're really worried about global warming. So it's up in the air. We don't know how it's going to go. At least in the previous administration, we knew the Trump administration was going to hold China accountable. And that's what needs to be done. And unfortunately, that is not necessarily the case with the new administration.
0: Well, you talk about concern about the environment. They're going to have an awful lot to deal with uh, as far as the state of the environment if there's an emp attack that they didn't guard us against
1: but again they don't view it that way because a lot of the biden team a lot of the democrats they think this is a right-wing fantasy they're very wrong about that but that's what they think that's the prevailing wisdom so called on the left and right now sadly the democrats are calling the shots and it's not pretty for america
0: what kinds of reforms do you think we need to implement to our space and technology policy in general
1: Well, in general, what we need to do is get back to the days of the 20th century where we had a large and robust federal research and development budget that could throw money and resources into private sector endeavors that may not yield an immediate financial return. So think of things like the early Internet. That was entirely a public sector mission. Nobody knew it was going to end up being the way it was, but we knew there was a strategic need for it. You could argue that much of Silicon Valley was created with public money in the beginning and then venture capital, private capital came in and really innovated. We have stopped doing that the way we used to, and it's a problem because at the precise moment that our federal R&D budget began declining, That was the moment that China's version of the federal R&D budget began upsurging. Mm -hmm. And now today you've got China throwing copious amounts of money at high-tech endeavors, not caring if there's an immediate financial return, recognizing strategic long-term value in things like quantum computing, biotech space technologies, uh, 5G, 6G, artificial intelligence, etc. And that's how the Chinese are going to beat us. They're not looking at the next two years or four years or six years. They're not even looking at the next quarter. They don't care. They care about the next 50 years, the next 100 years. And until we start getting back into that mindset, the kind of mindset that picked the Soviets in the Cold War, we're not going to win anything. We're not going to go anywhere. Space is going to be left to the Chinese. And that's a problem.
0: It's a huge problem. How is this tied to the importance of America remaining a superpower, Brandon, because do we really want to concede the world's biggest superpower to China or to North Korea or Russia? I mean, this is terrifying to think about it, but it's a possibility if we don't do do the right thing.
1: That's right. And it's looking more and more like the authoritarian states of China and Russia are starting to coordinate and get closer together. Uh, So that's a big problem, too. Uh, Yeah. So if we lose our superpower status, which we are very much at risk of doing very soon, Uh, Basically, the rules of the world order will be written by authoritarians inimical to the United States. So things like freedom of navigation, things like American access to lucrative markets in Eurasia, that's Europe and Asia, all of those things will be put into contention by the powerful new authoritarians in Russia and China. They will be calling the shots internationally. They are also highly mercantilistic, so they want to deny access to markets. So if the Chinese and or Russians take space, they could conceivably deny America access to space. We're already seeing this with their counter space satellite capabilities. They could go beyond that, though, if they, if they were able to take space beyond that. So it's a real issue of
0: who's going to direct the future. Well, it, it's such an important issue. You need to read about it in Brandon Weikert's book, Winning Space. Brandon, such an honor to talk to you. It was great Thank to you. get this information. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. You're listening to Janet Meffert Today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD.
2: This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford.
0: Welcome back. We have been so grateful for your partnership over the last few years for Bible League International. This is just such a wonderful ministry that gets Bibles into the hands of Bible-less Christians, as they're sometimes called around the world. And right now we are in the midst of a campaign trying to get 1,500 Bibles to Africa. This is a very, very needy part of the world when it comes to Bibles. In many areas of Africa, nine out of 10 Christians don't own a Bible. And it only costs $5 to send one Bible. We're off to a bit of a slow start thus far, and I just wanted to bring it to your attention in case you would like to participate. Again, $5 sentence, one Bible, $50 sentence, 10 Bibles. All you need to do if you'd like to participate and send a Bible or two or maybe even a hundred over to Africa, just call this phone number 800-YES- Word, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there is a Bible League banner to click at com And we sure do appreciate your support because we want to get the word of God into the hands of Christians who want a copy of the Bible. And boy, it's something that so many of us can't even relate to because we have so many Bibles. It blows my mind that there are believers throughout the world who don't have one. So we can help them. $5 is all it takes. Again, 800 yes word, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Help us get to that 1500 number if you would be so kind. Or again, there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMafford.com. I'm going to take a little time to play catch up since we came out of a holiday weekend just a few days ago and I had been kind of off for a few days as I know many of you were. So one of the things I want to play catch up on is the wonderful development that occurred at the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America. Now, for those of you who have listened to me for a number of years, you know it was back in May of 2018 that we started banging the gong on Revoice. And this was the horrible conference that was trying to normalize LGBTQ plus Christianity. And it was all very sly and very tricky. It was all about, oh, you know, we believe in marriage between one man and one woman, but we need to celebrate same-sex attracted Christians. We're sexual minorities. We're kind of like prophets, Jeremiah, you know, sent to the church to make things more fair. And we just went nuts. We ended up putting on our God's Voice Conference as a formal response to Revoice and really tried to get the word out. And I'll tell you what, I had, I'm just going to fully admit this, I had lost a lot of hope for the PCA. I really had, because the Missouri Presbytery, which is the body that is over the church that originally held the Revoice Conference in 2019, did such a lousy job of responding to it. They basically did nothing. There are a lot of progressives in the PCA, and there were a whole lot of people we've interviewed. For example, Reverend Al Baker, uh, they have left the PCA. There are a number of pastors and people in the PCA who left over it because they said there's no hope. And I got a little discouraged and a little pessimistic about it, but I will tell you what, never underestimate God. Never underestimate god this should be something that is very very clear that sometimes we can forget but what happened at the 48th general assembly of the pca well what happened was they passed a couple of overtures that were really good overtures 23 and 37 let me tell you what overture 23 is all about it's a motion to amend the book of church order by adding this clause and i'm going to read it to you Officers in the Presbyterian Church in America must be above reproach in their walk and Christlike in their character. Those who profess an identity such as, but not limited to, gay Christian, same-sex attracted Christian, homosexual Christian, or like terms, that undermines or contradicts their identity as new creations in Christ, either by denying the sinfulness of fallen desires such as, but not limited to, same-sex attraction, or by denying the reality and hope of progressive sanctification, or by failing to pursue spirit-empowering victory over their sinful temptations, inclinations, and actions, are not qualified for ordained office. This is huge. Now, this is just the first step because, as I understand it, two-thirds of the presbyteries in the denomination need to get on board and also vote for it. It was a 77% vote in favor of this, basically saying you call yourself a gay Christian, you cannot become a pastor in this denomination. Now, this just floors me because it gives me so much hope that The alarm that we've been sounding and the people who have gotten on board, the people of God who have recognized what a gigantic threat this is to the church, the evangelical conservative denominations in particular, because that really was what they were aiming for. Nate Collins, who founded Revoice, was at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and I guess has been in that camp for a long time. But he's made a lot of inroads with Revoice. And what can you do? It's a free country. People can do what they would like to do. But when it comes to this absolute evil being normalized inside the church of Jesus Christ, that's a time when God's people have to stand up and say, no, absolutely not. And, praise the Lord for what has happened in the PCA. Overture 37 is another motion to amend the Book of Church order by clarifying the moral requirements for church office. It's a little bit longer, but it talks about examining the candidate's personal character. They have to give specific attention to potentially notorious concerns such as, but not limited to, relational sins, sexual immorality, homosexuality, child sexual abuse, fornication, pornography. Careful attention must be given to his Practical struggle against sinful actions. The candidate must give clear testimony of reliance upon his union with Christ and the benefits thereof by the Holy Spirit, depending on this work of grace to make progress over sin, etc. You can read it for yourself. And again, it still has to be passed by a number of presbyteries, but what an encouragement. What an encouragement to see the PCA wake up. It's wonderful. It's so wonderful. I I really kind of lack the words to express how encouraging and how joyful this makes it, that is and how joyful it makes me and i know i spoke to some of the other members of our god's voice committee and they said praise the lord i can't believe this this is so great now of course Nate Collins isn't so happy. No, no, no. Nate Collins was out on Twitter, and I'll give credit here to Protestia for pointing this out because Nate Collins blocked me a long time ago, the founder of Revoice. After this happened, he said, it's the morning after the PCA General Assembly and the sustained attack on the human dignity of gay and same-sex attracted people is still profoundly hurtful and sad. Again, we're back to the same story with Nate Collins. Nate, it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ, and it's about... His overcoming sin for us, becoming the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world by shedding his own blood to wash away our sins. And I thought to myself, what part of we sin in thought, word and deed has escaped your notice? Because what they've done, this is essentially, it's not even essentially, it's flat out gay activism inside the church. That's all it is. And they dress themselves up as somewhat religious. But these people aren't converted I'm not saying nobody who went to revoice is not a real Christian. Maybe they're just completely confused and they're new Christians and they're buying into something and they'll wake up. The Lord will yank them out of this nonsense. But I don't believe that these people know the Lord at all. Because how in the world could you twist God's word the way that they have and fight against biblical truth? Sin is not just what you do. First, it's what you think. And all you need to do is go back to that old thing they used to say at youth rallies. sometimes. What would it be like if all of a sudden there was a movie screen and your thoughts from the last 24 hours turned into a movie and we projected it onto the screen for the entire church to watch? And of course, everyone cringes. Oh, no, 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 no. Everybody knows it. We all know that we sin in thought first before we ever do anything. It always has to start first in the heart and in the mind. And then eventually it makes its way out, unfortunately, into action and deed. And this is why in so many churches we confess our sins in thought word and deed. So anyway, Nate Collins was all upset and he said, last night I witnessed the actual silencing of a sexual minority who was speaking on the floor of the General Assembly And it happened and took place according to the rules and blah, blah, blah. And he was all upset. And he said uh, they voted if he could talk longer. And he said it was by the book. It was wrong. And during debate about an overture, the 10-minute limit expired in the middle of a speech by a Korean-American. The Assembly voted to extend debate. It's clear to me that rampant homophobia in the PCA prevented the sexual minority brother from being able to finish his speech. He just said it was by the book. You know, sometimes people go on too long and you have to stop them. But this is gay activism, that's all it is. And praise the Lord for the faithful Christians in the PCA who did this. This is a huge win and it's really exciting. When we come back, we're gonna get into some really scary audio that's gonna back up what I've just been talking about. Stay with us. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. After taking the morning-after pill, this mom immediately felt sick and nauseated as she tried to end her pregnancy. While searching for medical care, she found a preborn center, where she hoped to rule out that she was pregnant. I had an ultrasound done right then and there. After hearing the baby's heartbeat, I instantly thanked God and said, may your will be done, Lord. I'm seven months pregnant now. I thank God every day for my little miracle. Preborn centers are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America. Introducing moms in crisis to the life growing inside of them and sharing the the gospel in action. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. Will you join preborn in the cause for life? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855 402 BABY. That's 855 402 2229. All gifts are tax deductible. 855 402 BABY, or there's a preborn banner to click at janetmefford.com.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet.
0: By the way, I want to commend to you a very good piece if you want to do further reading. If you happen to be a member of a PCA, a Presbyterian Church in America congregation, Todd Pruitt over at Reformation 21 has a really good article called A Clear Message from the 48th General Assembly of the PCA, and he goes into a lot of detail. So read that if you weren't able to be there at the PCA General Assembly or if you just are interested in finding out what just happened you know, sometimes the news is good. It doesn't feel that way every day, but sometimes the news is good. And the news, because of what Jesus did for us, is always good. Let me talk about something that's not good news, but it really highlights what I was just discussing with you. And it has to do with this video that is making the rounds on social media, and people are absolutely horrified. When you hear it, You're going to understand why, but it ties into why it's so important for Christians to understand what sin is and what is acceptable in inside, inside the church and what is true in terms of our identity in Jesus Christ and why it's important to be biblical in all things concerning homosexuality for a long time we have had gay activists talk about oh they're not after your children and they're they're not interested in all this and there's no gay agenda and all those haters and homophobes have got it all wrong then This comes out from the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. Let's listen first to Cut One.
2: As we celebrate Pride and the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So, to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful, you fight against our rights, you say we all lead lives you can't respect, but you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny. Just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco. Warn about San Francisco. Make them wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair.
0: Wow, that's some serious gaslighting right there and more than a little upsetting, shall we say, if not horrifying. I think that's a better word to describe what you just heard. Oh, you think we're sinful. No, we think everyone is sinful. We think everyone is sinful and we believe that homosexuality, the behavior and the lusts for homosexuality are abominable because that's what God says. It is a perversion of God's natural order and it goes without saying. It, everybody's sinful, but you know, to talk about homosexuality as if it's not a sin is ridiculous. Uh, we, You're against us fighting for our rights. We're for the rights of every American. To live under the laws that are passed by our lawmakers and to live under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and it applies to everyone, what has been said for 20, 30-plus years has been, we don't believe that the homosexual community, if you want to call it that, deserves special rights. Now we've been living that dream for the last five or six years. How's it going so far? Oh, I don't know. How are those drag queen story hours? That's not corrupting children. How about kids who believe that they're another sex or now they're demisexuals, pansexuals, non-binary? We've been thrown into a Gnostic, chaotic mess because this was all allowed to be tolerated. We're the problem and we live lives you can't respect. Uh, You're just frightened. We're not frightened. We're not frightened, we believe that it's immoral behavior. Doesn't mean that we hate anybody. But again, this again, this is just gaslighting. Let's go on with this. This is cut two.
2: Just like you worried, they'll change their group of friends. You won't approve of where they go at night to protest. Oh when you'll be disgusted. So when they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight, like information. Guess what? You'll, You'll still, still be, be alright. Right. We'll convert your children. Yes, we will. Reaching one and all. There's really no escaping it. Cause even Grandma likes RuPaul. And the world's getting kinder. Gen Z's gayer than grinder. Learn to love. Learn to Vogue. Face your fate. We'll convert your children. Someone's gotta teach them not to hate
0: Oh, okay. Someone has to teach them not to hate because there's no hate over there. The fact that Baronelle Stutzman, the Christian florist out of Washington, can't get her case heard before the Supreme Court and will be financially ruined by groups like the ACLU because she's in violation of the so-called anti-discrimination statute in the state of Washington. Who cares? That's love, right? That's love to drive an elderly woman who served one of those homosexual men faithfully for 10 years and was good friends with him for 10 years. Ten years. And then he got a partner who became an activist, came in and said, I'm going to let's get her. And then they took her to court and now they've ruined her. Congratulations. Your love doesn't work for me. Sorry. That's not love. That's trying to destroy people. And, And we've seen it over and over and over and over again. We'll convert your children. They're not kidding, folks. One more cut. This is cut three. The San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus laying it out as if it's all just one happy admission. And it is a happy admission. Why? Because they control the culture now. Who in the world would go up against big gay? Maybe only Christians. Maybe only Christians at some point. Mostly Christians now. Maybe only Christians in the future. They control everything. Are you kidding? They control everything. Almost everything, I should say. And and this is about converting your children. The way your children think When you see the statistics on how many kids are confused about their sexuality now, the explosion in identifying as a transgender. Right, do we really believe all of those kids were transgenders before they had a steady diet of propaganda and activism from these people? I mean, that's what's happened. Drag queen story hour, no problem. Oh, there's a bunch of sexual predators who are participating as the readers of the books. Oh, (laughs) we'll just hide that on social media. We've been through all of this stuff. We're gonna convert you through your children. Guess what? No, you're not. I know that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, talked about those who would entice a little one to sin, and it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck, right? Isn't that what God himself said? That's what God said. Pay attention to what God says, not what the world tells you. It all sounds very musical and very, very appealing. Oh, they have such good voices. Nope, it's the voice of the pit, folks. We'll convert your children, you're going to let that happen as they have influenced society to the degree where children who are confused about their sexuality have actually been ripped away from the custody of their own parents. That's love. Is that love? It's not love. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You know, something else I wanna add to that, not only is the hope of the gospel for anybody caught in this sin, but the fact of the matter is, There is extreme gaslighting in that entire video that I played for you. I played portions of it for you because what they're trying to do is take genuine concerns and make fun of them in order to shame you for having any concerns which are actually warranted. And this is this is something it's kind of like I was comparing this when I was talking to some friends about this. I was comparing this to what what would happen if you had some nefarious criminal pull up his car on the side of the road and tell your child, oh, yeah, don't get in the car with me. I might kidnap you. Ah, ha, 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 ha. When you make a joke of it, what you're doing is you're trying to bring the walls Of protection that you naturally feel down by shaming the person for feeling any sort of concern whatsoever. That's what's being done here. It's a manipulation. It's a manipulation of your genuine and warranted concerns about what this agenda will do to brainwash your children. And I go back to this article in the Huffington Post. You can look it up. I have come to indoctrinate your children into my LGBTQ agenda, and I'm not a bit sorry. This is by a gay activist back on March 7th, 2015, where he fully admits it. Just turn it into a joke, and then everybody will jump on board. Not God's people. Not God's people. we got to leave it there. Thanks for being with us, as always. We really appreciate your listening. And again, 800-YES-WORD if you can give a Bible in our Bible League International campaign. Please call now, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. $5 will send one Bible to Africa. Thank you.